Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Morning, everyone. Evolutionary.org Hardcore Podcast coming your way. Steve Smee here and the mobster joining me for another episode. How's it going over there, man? Oh, good. The sun's shining today. It's a nice day today. Yes, Brandon Curry, number 110. We have to do Brandon Curry, guys. Um, he was the Mr. Olympia champion from 2019. His first win at the Mr. Olympia. And, um, you know, he's a he's a guy that um, I predicted would win the Mr. Olympia uh, two or three years ago. I said he was going to be coming on and he would be a champion pretty soon. He had that potential. So uh, very athletically gifted he is. Uh, he placed eighth at the 2017 Mr. Olympia, and that's when I actually made the call that he would win the Mr. Olympia within a couple of years. He's five foot eight, 260 pounds. Um, let's see. Um, he's he's approaching 40, so he's about what 38 years old now. Um, and um, he would on October 19. He's gonna he's gonna turn 38, so he's still got a year or two, I think of yeah. potential to win the Mr. Olympia, but he's, he was kind of a late bloomer. He wasn't a guy that came on at a young age. If we go back and, uh, you know, look at his early life, I want to bring in mobster here. He's going to talk a little bit about his early life, but he's from Tennessee, um, Nashville, Tennessee country boy. Um, you know, he was, um, active in a lot of sports growing up, football, track field, gymnastics, you know, with his body frame, Definitely someone who would be ideal for, for something for, for wrestling because um, he sh- he's a shorter guy, stocky. He's got that muscle frame, sort of like me, actually. Uh, very, very blessed genetically. He started using weights in his garage after school. He really got into it. Um, he really took on a lot of improvement very, very quickly. So he knew he had some, some gifted ability from a young age. He loved, you know, watching movies of Arnold and Rocky and Rambo growing up. He was big into that. Um, he, fell, he fell into that trap of, you know, um, those types of uh, action movie stars. So, you know, after high school, he majored in exercise science, tried to build an education in fitness. He graduated college, personal trainer, used that money to fund his bodybuilding career. Amateur shows in his early 20s. Next five years, he, you know, built up his frame. By 2008, he was ready to crash onto the scene, and he won the NPC USA Championship. So that would mean that he would turn pro finally. Back in those days, it was much harder to turn pro than it is today. Now anyone can can uh, turn pro. So, yeah. So, Mobster, you know, tell us a little bit of, about his uh, early history. What else? I was watching the uh, very, very well uh, done David Bet Davis uh, interview with him an hour and a half or so, and rewatched it yesterday. There was there's a few elements in there. One was a description about how hyperactive he was, and he'd be rushing around doing a thousand things and whatever else. And I think the the phrase that he used was kind of comical, saying his mum was talking about having three kids, but she had three kids when they and she just pointed at uh, at Brandon. 
because he seemed to make up for not having the other two by virtue of his energy and whatever else. For me, and for a lot of pundits a few years ago, you, you, you just said that physically he had the attributes to win the Mr. Olympia. But what, what seemed to happen with Brandon probably about 10 or so years ago when he first came on the scene in terms of registering, at least on my own particular radar, and for a pundits a few years ago, probably around the time when, when you're saying he's coming in eighth at the Mr. Olympia, he seemed a guy with all the physical attributes, but not quite being able to tie everything together for whatever particular reason, whether it was genetically, as you've already described, athletically and genetically, he's got he's got the you know, he's got the connections, he's got the muscle tissue, everything's there. And and yet there was he was the kind of wonder kind it was like something that needed to happen and 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 it and, and it wasn't happening you'd get these great pictures and then nothing you'd get this idea he's about to do this and he's going to do really well and then it wouldn't happen. he disappeared off the scene for a little while and then finally finally the, the thing that seemed to make the difference was going over to the oxygen gym to the camel crew in kuwait that that seemed to make the difference now, looking at how that seems to work for some of the other guys that have done really well in Kuwait, it is literally, and if you've ever watched any of the videos with the, with the British, American, Egyptian, any of the athletes that are out there, all they do is train, eat, and rest. If they socialize, it's with each other. They eat, more or less. If they're not together, it's with one or two of the other members of the crew. Literally, there are guys following you around the gym. Every single one has a trainer. Uh, sometimes it's the same trainer, of course, but you you can see videos. There'll be some guy with a towel, there'll be some guy filming, and there'll be and there'll be the coach, and they're in the gym, and that is kind of their day. Is focused right there in the gym. They're, you know, they they live around the corner or they live in the same building. And one of the other things, rumored, more more than potentially actual, but I'm I'm going to think there's it's an element of it there too, is their access to anabolics and specifically their access to to peptides. Now, there's, I seem to recall one description, uh, which is essentially that there is a pharmacist just up the road that they all go to. And I mean, this is literally one single rumor. And the, the gear in there is, is pharmaceutical. You go in there, you get your bits and bobs. It's all legal. It's all, it's all scripted and whatever else and back. So they're in their rooms, they're playing video games or, or, or they're talking to their family back in the, the original countries by the internet. And that is their day. It's almost kind of like the, the you know, the, the whole dungeon mentality. You train, you eat, you rest. Your socialising is literally around the, the table or, or with your family over the internet. And they're doing this, I think, sometimes for three months, sometimes for six months. I believe with Brandon, pre-Mr. Olympia 2019, there was, it was like he was out there for six months that his wife had literally said, you go, you spend all this time away from the family because when you come back, you're going to win the Mr. Olympia. And that, that's the kind of vibe. And that stopped him being the almost guy and suddenly he was the guy. Came back, if not completely transformed, with, with his potential finally being realised, Come on stage, confident, rounded. Uh, perhaps not the best lineup that has ever been, but Brandon was the best that was there on the date. And then we had a new Mr. Olympia. So yeah, that, that, that that's the reason for me that he's gone from where he could have been and what was possible to what has finally actually arrived. Yeah, back to you, Steve. Yeah. So before we get into where he is now, let's kind of talk about what he's done the past decade. So over the past decade, he's worked his way up beautifully. Um, yeah. 
he competed in more than 25, 30 bot pro bodybuilding contests over the past 10 years. Got a lot of fans, got a lot of respect. His best showing during that 10 years before he got the Mr. Olympia, he got eighth in 2011. He won the 2013 IFBB Arnold Classic in Brazil. And he won the, the IFBB Toronto Pro Super Show in 2015. In the 2017 Mr. Olympia, he came back, top 10, finished eighth again. And even though he was in his mid-30s, he still wanted to win the Mr. Olympia. And in 2019, he got first place. It was really, uh, really amazing. Uh, no one thought he would do it, but he came and he got first place. And in that Mr. Olympia mobster, he he had a solid win. William Bonac was second place. That was the that was it. And then Hadi Chupan, um, who is from uh, who's from Iran originally, he got third place. And then Dexter Jackson, who we all know, got fourth. So he he came on strong. It wasn't the best competition, but he had a solid win there. Uh, just uh, just just to interrupt, there's something that Steve and I talked uh, in, in the pre-show. We was one of the cool things that happened at that particular competition, and it ties in with what I was just saying about having that time away from his wife and his family and going off to the Kuwait to become the Mr. Olympia, to be the the, the, the number one guy. There's a bit on the stage where they they these giant mock cardboard checks that they have, like they're doing a lot of competitions, and I believe the you know prize money in Mr. Olympia last year I believe was four hundred thousand dollars, so not an insignificant amount of money. He hands it alongside with the microphone there, so that people can hear the words, and he gives these, this check to his wife, and he says, I think he literally says it's her money, not not the, you know like some guys you know the wife does this and the wife does that. He literally says, no, I am going to give her the money because her and the family, they've made the sacrifice the same as I've made the sacrifice for me to become the Mr. Olympia, to train, to do all the things that are involved at that level of any uh, sporting endeavour, to become the, the number one guy in the world, the drive, the grind, the pain, the discomfort, the massaging, the daily thousands of pounds of weight shifted etc etc and to spend all that time away from their family and he hands it over and he says she deserves this they deserve this it was a nice moment and and, and it made for something more you know you know running up and down flashing in the middle of standing in front of a trophy and, 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 and the usual kind of stuff don't get me wrong all of those speeches probably mean something to the guys but there was something about him handing that over as if to say listen this is for her the prize money is for her it's for the family it's for the kids I'm going to get this. I've got my sponsorship. I'll do whatever else. I've, 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 you know, I like training. I like doing what I do. Great being Mr. Olympia, but this is theirs. This is what they deserve. So that was kind of cool as well. Yeah. But you and, yeah. What's, what's been interesting mobster is the past few Mr. Olympias. You have Phil Heath. Okay. Mm. Then the next year you had Sean Roden yeah. and then you had Brandon Curry. What are all these have in common they were all in their late 30s when they won yeah. mr olympia phil heath obviously started winning them when he was you know early mid 30s and then his last one was late 30s but the point is you know you're not seeing guys who are in their 20s winning mr olympia anymore for sure you know that's the maturity the muscle maturity you've got more hours on them you got more experience and we see that a lot 
in in a lot of we see this a lot on pro sports. We see guys in the late thirties like quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, seem to be also in their late thirties. And then you've got the younger guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Those guys are in their really young, early twenties, and they're coming on. So, but as you get older, you build that experience, that intelligence to know how your body is and stuff. So even in bodybuilding, you know, definitely seeing a trend, guys in our late 30s. So take note of that if you're a younger guy. Um, if you're in your 20s and you want to be Mr. Olympia one day, you got to put in that 15, 20 years before you have a chance. This is something actually that came across in the, in the Bet Davis interview because I actually said again, pre-show with Steve, I said he seemed to come across in a certain particular way when he was younger in, in, in both magazine interviews and in, in, in video interviews later on uh, with this potential, but only uh, perhaps becoming a father, becoming a husband, having that emotional maturity to realize the price that needed to be paid and, and what needed to be done. And, and maybe sometimes, and, and Steve and I have discussed this on the forums before, if you have a certain genetic advantage, which I believe Brandon did as a younger guy, uh, in terms of his physical and athletic ability, then it kind of feels almost too easy. And then in another interview, which has nothing to do with Brendan, I've just watched something else uh, off, off air, where suddenly you go from being an amateur to a pro, and you go, okay, as an amateur, you can go around a country and win this competition, and now you're up against the pros from all over the world. And you suddenly see that they have the same genetic advantages as you do. And I think this is what happened to Brandon. He, he had this genetic advantage. He had this ability to win the, the, the lower and the smaller level competitions. And the Steve Steve's quote of this, two dozen plus pro competitions that he competed in with the genetic advantage, with that, the pundit saying he should be able to do that. He had this potential. But lo and behold, he gets to his 30s and perhaps he was realising that the, the, that, that train was leaving the station and he suddenly had to up his game. And that's where that emotional maturity comes in. Having a wife to push you, Having wanting to do something for your kids, suddenly realizing that if you don't get your fucking arse in gear, two, three years down the road, you're, you're going to be 40, and that time's gone. Uh, and, and, you know, in terms of my own physical uh, uh, maximal strength in competition would have been around the, my early 40s. You don't get the fucking move on. <laughs> that time's gone. It, it's not, you don't keep that muscle. You don't keep that strength. And there's even an argument about the so-called grainy look, being able to pose perfectly, knowing your body really, really well, that younger guys don't have. There's, there's, a, there's a, a pro coming up now, who's, I should remain nameless for a minute, who's an amazing physical phenomenon, absolutely amazing. Uh, but whether he'll be with us in a year or two in terms of being on stage, Brandon has stood the t that, that thing, but he has got. And as Steve G just made, the last two Mr. Olympias, including I mean, Mr. Brandon, Sean Roden, and even to a lesser degree, uh, Phil Heath, it's all physical maturities, all emotional maturities, all perhaps even being settled in your life elsewhere, not having the distractions and being able to completely focus, especially as an athlete, again, if you've got the sponsors on board, if the, how even if your bills are being paid and your mortgages are sorted out and you're not chasing too much skirt, you're not still in uh, extended education. All of these things are done. And as a professional athlete, they should be done so that you can completely focus on what you're trying to do. And this appears to be the case with Brandon. When watching, I said to Steve again in the pre-show, he seems to have learned to train, not just being able to train and, and grow muscle, but knowing what 
kind of training needs to do. His training has become a lot more varied. He's, he's training with uh, Charles Glass. We're getting to the training more in a minute. But all of those attributes, whether even might be just learning how he responds to gear, all of those things, boom, now it comes together. You've got the genetic advantage, you've got the physical advantage, but you needed all these other things. And maybe, from what Steve and I are saying right now, maybe that only happens when you're in your late 30s to early 40s. And then you need to get on that particular train. You need to be doing all those things. And lo and behold, that's how Brandon managed to win last year's Mr. Olympia. Yeah, if you check out on his Instagram, he has a million followers. I mean, he when I originally wrote an article about him about three years ago, he had barely 200,000 followers. Now he has a million followers. So he can put any supplement he wants on his Instagram, and it's going to sell tons of it. So he's set for life. I mean, you win the Mr. Olympia, you're set for life. But what's interesting about his Instagram, if you check out his Instagram and scroll down, he's got a picture of himself at 19 posing. And he says this was, it was his first real competition. And you could tell by his picture, he was so raw. But he, you could tell he had amazing genetics, but he was raw. You know, so compare that picture to what he looks like today winning Mr. Olympia. And it's like night and day. It looks like a completely different person. So, you know, really, guys, it's all your muscles at 19, 20 are going to be raw. They're going to be young. And then by the time they get 40, they're going to be mature. Your muscles, refer, they regenerate. They, they, the cells die. New cells come on. It totally changes. So there's a difference between a boy and a man. So really, you know, this is another piece of evidence. I know a lot of guys don't want to listen to me. They don't want to listen to Mobster. But this is another piece of evidence that you're not going to hit your peak at 20 years old. You're going to hit your peak closer to 40. And we've seen this as proof. So um, it's amazing, though, like five, 10 years ago on forums, if you said something like this, people would attack you. They'd always be like, oh, but Arnold started at 15. He started at 15. He won the Mr. Olympia. You know, he was, he was young when he won the Mr. Olympia. They always want to make that excuse. But if Arnold was around today, you know, he, and he wouldn't have chose to get into movies, you know, it would have been a different story. He wouldn't have run the Mr. Olympia that young. He would have probably won the Mr. Olympia close to the 40, the same thing. So you have to compare apples to oranges on this. Really, it's all about, you know, the hours you put in the gym. The hours you put into the gym are going to be the difference. And that really, really makes a difference. His YouTube video as well. He's got a lot of lookers at his YouTube as well. You can look at his uh, YouTube. He's a great poser. You can look at some posing videos that he does. Really, really, really solid poser. Um, you can tell that he has the experience. If he started doing shows that young, he really knows how to pose now. 20 years later. So if you are a young guy and you want to do your first competition, you might want to watch his video on posing. That's going to teach you a lot. And he's also very, very intelligent. If you look at videos over the past 10 years, he's educated, he's intelligent, he knows his stuff. He's blessed genetically from a physical perspective, but he's also blessed academically. He's actually a very, very intelligent guy. So that definitely helped him take his, his everything to, to the next level. That's something, again, and we were talking about off-air, and I said he's actually uh, two or three videos where he's gone to, uh, and this is just on the training-specific stuff, gone and trained with Charles Glass in Gold's Gym, and you can see even he's given, but bearing in mind, we've already said he was at college doing a physical education degree. 
the University of College doing his physical education degree. So it's one of those things where, it, uh, certainly in terms of uh, books, book uh, uh, knowledge, he should have been there. But no, he learned by going to see guys like Charles Glass, and you can see Charles say, no, pull your elbows back, pull your shoulders back more on, on this exercise. He's trained with uh, uh, the coach group, whose name I forget, unfortunately, it goes by the name of uh, Mountain Dog. And that's the same thing again. He's showing him you know, different chest position on this and different back position on that. So I think what's happened here is, as I said, with the physical attributes that he had, he was gaining muscle, he was getting this size, but as Steve said, he was raw, it was kind of unrefined and it wasn't being maximized. And low, he's just going to be with the coaches in Kuwait, with the coaches in America and, and doing the rounds, going around to see these guys, seeing if they could teach me something. Can I learn? Can I get, oh, suddenly my muscles start to look better, more rounder, more defined, harder, gnarly. And I go see this guy and I go see that guy. And I'm, I'm, and, and, and even things when you, when you watch uh, like Roddy Coleman, some of his videos and uh, Jay Cutler, whether it would be weekly or even more frequent than that, uh, massaging, deep tissue massaging. So, okay, now we're maximizing recovery. And I think this is what Branham seemed to do. He knew from his book smarts what he should have been doing. But when he's actually gone and seen these guys with 10, 15, 20 years under their belt, and they're going, listen, still learning all the time. I'm working with my clients all the time. Let me see, let me see how you do this exercise. Now try this. Move this with your elbows. Let's see if we can accentuate this more. That's what he seemed to do. And that's where the transformation came in. And in fact, one of, one of the articles we're going to link to, it was having a very, very question. It was a before Kuwait and after Kuwait. And I was, I was debating with one of the members there as to, you know, how much more he seemed to have done. There was a certain gnarly difference where the muscle had matured for sure. And we was actually debating specifics, which was to do with the, the pecs and how one seemed to be fuller and have a bit more shape to it and so on and so forth. But I think it was very much that he'd learned his body and he'd gone and spoke to the guys that knew their shit as far as training was concerned to bring out that last one or two percent, to bring out, maximise that genetic potential, not just to have it. It's like, let, let's say, let's say for argument's sake that, you know, I was a 12 second sprinter. So I could pretty much take on anybody in my street, anybody in my school. And, and I could run all day and, and 12 seconds, 12 seconds, 12 seconds. Great. I'm a fast runner. But I'd have my heart ass handed to me all day long at a proper athletic competition. And I think this is what kind of, for me, this is how he seemed to come across. Now, if I start working with a sprint coach who's trained Olympic level athletes, I get my time down to 11 seconds. And now, maybe I'm a contender. And I think this is where Brandon was. He'd gone from being someone who had that ability, had the genetics, what the desire, but wasn't quite maximizing every single thing. And that's what seemed to happen. In the literally in the last two, three years, bang, I know what I need to do. I know who I need to go and speak to. I need to spend some money. I need to get on a plane and go to California. I need to go to Golds and get Charles Glass to show me. I need to go and see John the Mountain Dog and I need him to work with him. And he started doing his videos directly for you guys to have a look at. He started talking to his interviews on there where you can see him asking questions and being taught how to do these things. And there's a bit of back and forth. I mean, after all, this is a Mr. Olympia contender, a, 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 a very nearly man at that particular time. So it's not like he doesn't know fuck all. And of course, as I said, he's done the physical education degree. He ought to know his stuff. But now he's talking about 30, 40 years in the trenches when it comes to training and picking up little bits and pieces and all these little things and nice long uh, timing sojourn, so we call it, in Kuwait, 
plenty of time with nothing but training, nothing but nutrition, next to no socialising. I think literally the guys there, they go for meals and, and they talk on the internet to their families and that's it. And there are guys in the gym that are tagging your equipment then, there are guys following you around, the so-called camel crew, and all of the other guys that are there are of a similar standard. That's almost perhaps not the whole old gold guys back in the trade with all, you know, 15, 20 contenders all in the same gym at the same time as I was. It's not quite like that. There might be someone across the gym, but they seem to have sort of spaces through the day, so they're not all together in the gym at the same time. But you're aware that these guys are out there and they're looking for your trophy. They're looking for your paycheck. They're looking for your spot. With your, if you're, 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 you're as, as a would-be winner, good for $25,000, $30,000 as a trophy. They want your money. So they're good guys and they like each other. There's a couple of them are real good buddies. But I, I want to take your paycheck. So there's an element of that. And we go into the gym and I say, oh, did you see such and such earlier on? He looks amazing. Oh, did he now? So there's an element of that too. This isn't just internet stuff. These guys are in the same building sleeping as you are. You're sitting with them in the restaurant or you're eating in the same place that they eat. Oh, such and such was in earlier on. So there's an element of that as well. But it's literally... If I think we said the dungeon thing, then we go in there for the Kuwait, part of that camel crew, with the access potentially to peptides, certainly with the access to pharmaceutical gear, and like a monk training, three to six months, sometimes longer, uh, there, with them pretty much doing everything you need to do, and a bunch of other hungry guys that are just around the corner, or one floor down at the gym, or on the, on the cardio over the training chest where you're training back. They're hungry, you're hungry. Uh, now it becomes interesting and now you have to up your game and I think this is what's Brandon seen that kind of element that up in the game learning who he needed to from the masters of training guys that are coaching hundreds of clients let's go and speak to them doing exactly that that last five percent one percent two percent that needed to be done paying that price putting that time in bang maximize potential I, I I, I use myself as an example of time only insofar as I was thinking that the, my greatest rival and mentor, I think we would have burnt each other out if I lived closer and, and so that I could train with him. I would have probably got stronger, but can you imagine a competition? So I think there's an element of that, uh, maximizing your strength and doing all those kind of things that you need to do and tear his skin up and doing all the crazy stuff. But you know, if you want to be the best, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be the man, El numero fucking uno, this is the stuff you need to do. And I think Brandon finally did that. And that's the reason why he won the Mr. Olympia last year. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, so, you know, let's get into that. Let's get into some of his training. Um, you know, he's posted a lot about his training. He's posted that he likes to lift raw. He doesn't like to use straps, wraps, gloves, belts. Some of his videos, he does use them. Some of his pictures, you can see him using them. But for the most part, he, he believes in lifting raw. Um, he likes to change up his workouts. We know that from what he said. Um, he doesn't like doing the same splits. He likes to mix up his splits. He, um, you know, that, an example of that, instead of just doing all push exercises one day, he'll mix it up. He might do chest and shoulders um, in back one day. So he might mix them up. So it's a little different. Um, I like to keep things simple. I like to do a push split, a pull split, a leg split, and then rinse and repeat. But he... He likes to mix them up. There's in uh, that keeps, you know, there's some advantages to doing that. And there's some disadvantages, you know, it can get a little, you know, get a little complicated, a little too complicated for my blood. 
he's he's a big believer in my in muscle hypertrophy he believes in you know breaking down the muscle and that's what you got to do um he likes to do rep ranges that are 10 12 14 reps he likes to use proper form so this is the way he trains guys it's it's not just a, going in there and throwing uh, weights around like a gorilla there's a there's definitely a method to the madness of lifting weights and he has mastered it um, he likes to also take time maybe a day a week or a day every two weeks to just strength train where he takes longer between sets kind of like what you like to do mobster i'm assuming oh, yeah. lower reps and strength train so his workouts are like a mix guys he's he's mixing it up and i think one of the big advantages of that is you don't get bored from the same workouts because it can burn you out. Weight training can burn you out. And Robster, you know, as well as I do, we've been lifting weights for 70 years combined between the two of us. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten into my car to drive to the gym and I've been like, man, I really don't want to go, but I end up going anyway. So, you know, so you have to keep yourself motivated. You have to keep this self from being, you have to keep this from being, not boring otherwise you're just gonna get bored and quit and most people who weight train they quit they they will sign up for a gym membership for a year and then after a month or two they will be like uh how do i get out of my contract so that's why gyms do your contract so check out the way he trains guys if you're a type of person who seems to be a stop and go weightlifter Look at how he trains. Maybe the way he trains is something you can try to copy to make it more fun and interesting. I'm going to touch on a couple of points here. In terms of uh, guys that come into uh, training, and some of our listeners are going to be doing just exactly that. They're going to be listening to how this guy's trained and seeing if he can learn for themselves. Here's, here's the thing, guys. There's an argument maybe for having to pay your dues. And that means under the squat bar, under the bench bar, under the press bar, with curly for dumbbells and so on. And, and being consistent, putting in the fucking time. Now, for most athletes, or would-be athletes, that's around five years. Some guys can do it quicker, but not... We're talking about the average person in listening, the average person that, that, that reads what we put on the forums. And it's around five years, building your foundation, whether that's working up to a 300 bench or a 400 score or a 500 deadlift or whatever, doing the rep work, learning your body and so on and so forth. Now, the, I think there's an element with, for me with uh, Brandon where there's a mental thing. If your game, if your career is specifically training to build, I mean, literally, let's be, let's be honest, when you're on stage, it's barely a day, it's probably about eight, nine hours, the Mystery Olympia, from, from coming in in the morning and putting your bag down in the room backstage to walking off with your check or no check. It's probably about eight or nine hours, it's probably even less. Uh, I think it was with the pre-judging and the night show, and specifically this year, especially with the situation that we've got, it's probably gonna be, probably straight run through six, seven hours if there's no audience and whatever the arrangements are for this year. So that the rest of the year, the rest of every single day, every minute that you're awake from when you get up to when you go to sleep is going to be either eating, resting or training and doing this stuff. So, you know, if, if you're a pro athlete and especially if you've got other aspects to deal with, whether it's dealing with sponsors, dealing with fans, uh, the, the, the commercial side and whatever else, it's eight or 10 hours a day. 
So you kind of want that training. If the training was the same every single day, which can work, and especially with the lower down you are and you're still making that particular journey, that consistency in putting the work in, like I said earlier on, it's incredibly important. But when you're 15, 20 years into a bodybuilding career, when this is your every single day of the week, five to six days training, you're going to need that variety. And I think the other thing, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, is this element of him looking for the last one to 2% of things that are going to make a difference. Now, whether that's varying the training, whether it's, you know, it might be something silly like bringing out the outhead or the inner head of a tricep. It might be just changing the angle a little tiny bit. It might be varying the rep ranges. One, you know, and something actually I touched on this week on the forums, whether it's volume work, trying to make hyperplasia, cell splitting happen, whether it's uh, pumping the blood for capillary reaction, making the muscles, whether it's depleting glycogen with rep work, whether it's working on your strength so that when you go back to the volume work, you're using bigger weights than you was last time and so on. And this could cycle through the year. And it did seem in our research for this show that he, he's, he'd gone from perhaps, as I said earlier, being able to, to grow and get bigger and whatever else and whatever the hell he did to needing to vary the training to needing to play with different volumes and different sets and rep streams and for trying out different exercises to get that last one or two percent and here's the thing again guys unless you're a contender unless you've got those genetic advantages unless you're looking for that one or two percent put the work in make sure your diet's solid and clean get your time in the gym Get under the bar, learn how to squat without a pad on your neck, learn how to pick up stuff without gloves and straps and God knows what else. Put in the time, put in the grind. I mean, here's the thing again. If you, if you did that and you had the genetic advantages, you're going to be one of those guys that puts 10 to 15 pounds of muscle on every single year. If you're not, if you're an average guy and you put in the time and you get under the damn bar and you learn how to become strong and you learn how the effects of volume training and high intensity training on your body, you learn what works, then you're going to add five, six, seven pounds of muscle every year, certainly for the first couple of years. And then you're going to be grabbing at the two to three pounds of muscle. And this is where the time comes in again that we mentioned earlier on. If you do 10 years and you gained five to 10 pounds in the first couple of years and two to three pounds for the rest of that, so you're talking about 20 or 30 pounds of muscle. Now you're a big guy a big strong guy now you're looking for the one or two percent now you're thinking about maybe competing whether it's in weightlifting in, in, in strongman or in bodybuilding now you start to learn you, you, you've played around with different food things you work, work what food can i have all the time that i can eat what training can i do do i need even i for example and steve touched on this earlier on just from my strength training stuff right now i'm probably going for that last one or two percent in terms of my strength gains and i'll probably finish in the next six, seven weeks, and I'll ease back off. Um, I will drop down to 70, 80% of the numbers that I'm doing now. I'll change a couple of the exercises, and I'll probably put a lot more volume, and then I'll start my way back up in terms of my physical stuff. So you do, I've done it the other way, when I've tried to do the same thing all year round. And the closer I got to my own maximum physical strength, the more difficult that become. And that's something I learned for myself. Apart from one, and it wasn't really, a, for, 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 thankfully, a, a major injury. But from apart from the 2016, putting them in my ass for 16 weeks, I've never had any major, never had any muscle tears, never torn any tendons, never had any, uh, I've never broken a bone in or, in or out of the gym. So I've had no real 
career-ending injuries that could have put me on my ass uh, forever and ever. And, and, and that's fortunate. My, my God help me, my tenders by now should be like been still, still wire. Hopefully, this is the kind of stuff. These, these guys do not want to get injured because that's your career over, whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's, it's in ice hockey or whether it's gym stuff. You don't want those to tear the ACLs on your knees. You don't want to be on your ass. So you've got to learn this stuff. And again, I said with him, he's looking for that last one or two percent in my mind. He's doing all these different things. And it definitely seemed to come across that he was looking to learn. He was looking to maximise. He was going out of his way. He was trying different things. It wasn't just cyclical stuff. It was literally, this is what I need to do. Can I change this if I learn to do this? And doing all those things. So it became that big learning process. And, it, and, and again, it was that last few percent that seemed to transform him from a guy that was in the lineup to a winner, which is the, this is the thing. If you get to that position, come back and guys, we'll interview you. We'll do a podcast on you. But we're talking about the guy that's just, he's learned to do it. He's, he's gone from the, oh, could be, would be, might be, to the guy that's won. And these filled for, for us the reasons why. All right, guys. So, yep. So let's get into his nutrition now. Um, you know, his nutrition, guys, the, the way these guys are eating, um, you have to remember, we're going to get into his PED stack, but without the genetics, without the performance enhancing drugs that they're taking, the insulin, the HGH, very, very important. So you can shuttle in all those nutrients and into the muscles. But without all that stuff, they wouldn't be able to absorb all this food that they eat so whole foods he talks a lot about whole foods he talks about sweet potatoes rice eggs meats oatmeal veggies he also isn't scared of to eat fruit we've seen this trend guys in the 80s would avoid fruit oh fruit sugar we can't have fruit we can't have fruit but um you know we see with brandon curry he, he eats fruit he's got no problem with fruit so um, different guys, different. It's much different than eating a candy bar and eating a fruit. There's, there's different types of sugars. One is refined sugar. One goes into the body. Body has a certain reaction to it. One is fruit. We evolved eating fruit. It's the first food that we ate when we when we evolved uh, two million years ago was fruit. That's the first thing we put in our body. So nothing wrong with fruit. Um, and he's he's a uh, he's proving it. Lots of Lots of supplements. Go on his Instagram. He pushes a lot of supplements. Um, protein, fat burners, pre-workouts, multi, ZMA. He, you know, all the supplements. He talks about the supplements. Now, is he using all these supplements or is he marketing all these supplements? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, let's be honest. Um, um, you know, obviously the endorsements um, are needed. You know, when you're a pro bodybuilder, how do you think you make your money? It's through endorsements just like a tennis player just like a football player anything you make a bunch of money from endorsements so you know um but i mean put it all together guys you know these guys they eat a lot of food they eat every two to three hours it's it's true but if you were to follow the way they eat it wouldn't work out well for you you got to remember their genetics what the stuff they're taking and everything so um, obviously a lot of, a lot of protein, they eat a lot of carbs. And if you were to follow that and eat that much protein, that much carbs, you're just going to get fat. And, you know, we see it all the time. I mean, <laughs> we see obese people who are 350, 400 pounds walking around all the time. 
who are eating what he, the amount of food that he's eating, but they are just 30, 40% body fat. So two different things guys, but, um, I'll just address one, one thing specifically. I mean, well, two things really. One is that it becomes a job of work uh, as a professional athlete and specifically someone uh, at their level. It's um, probably even worse when it's the competition diet. It is a job. You're, when you're on a competition diet, when you're trying to uh, stay clean and perhaps even just get ripped for uh, some sort of opposing thing or for a magazine shoot or whatever else, Unless you have that thin skin, unless you're genetically advantaged, it's a job of work. And, and the stuff can be very restrictive and quite boring. The second aspect, because this is their career, guys, what they put in their mouth is going to make a difference to the muscle and it's going to make a difference to the paycheck and whether they win or they don't win the competition. So it becomes incredibly anal. It becomes a job of work. And like I said, with the competition diet, the whole joke about chicken, fish and rice is kind of, it's kind of true. You know, meal prep makes these things a little bit easier. And if you've got a nutritionist on board who can help you, that's great. But again, this is more cost, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the second thing I was going to address, and this is more for the ectomorphs than the endomessos. The endo guys is the ones that tend to be towards the big bone and the fatter guys. Your meso is your more muscular. Your ecto is the lighter framed, skinnier guys. And I'll be very specific with this. In fact, it kind of goes both ways with the endos as well. The ectos tend to overestimate what they think they're eating. And we touched on this on the forum this week in terms of, I guarantee that if you've got that guy to write down what he was eating and he says, I'm eating a shitload of food, he is not. When you're six foot tall and 160 pounds, you ain't eating a lot of food. You can train like a beast in the gym, but if you ain't putting enough calories in your face, if, you, if your physical attributes don't allow you to gain on what you're eating, then you ain't eating enough. Now, I'm a big guy. I, I seem to be <laughs> 319 pounds this morning, would you believe? Don't eat five or 6,000 calories a day. So that's probably more genetic. My metabolism's probably slowed down because I'm in my 50s. Uh, I'm not having to go to a day job and, and physically labor. So I don't have to burn off the calories that way. And so it's made a difference. I probably eat in some ways less than I used to do when I was doing a physically laborious job many years ago as a younger man when my metabolism was probably faster these things make a difference if you you need to sometimes sit down and write down what you're eating work out what's going in your mouth work out what's making a difference if you're having too much junk food if you're having too much fast food if you're having too much alcohol you're, you're getting a lot of empty calories if you are prepping if you've learned how to get the food ready at the beginning of the week. If you know 100% what's going in your mouth and you put an extra two, 300 calories a day in there, you up your protein a little bit. You, you, do, you do a one-to-one -one with Steve and you go with some food stuff that you can work with and these things start to make a difference. But even then, it's a slow, steady difference. And you've got to learn this stuff. And this comes back to what we were saying earlier on. Even the top professional level, like Brandon Curry, Mr. Olympia, you're going to experiment with food. You're going to be moving stuff around. You're going to say, listen, do I need to put on another two to three pounds of muscle to be the next Mr. Olympia? This seems to happen as well. I mean, possibly with the exception, maybe Phil Heath, actually. I don't think Phil Heath got that much bigger during his seven or eight wins. Uh, Brandon probably only put on five or ten pounds of muscle between the 
nearly winning and now winning. But those five or ten pounds of muscle in the right places, and that required him to look at his diet and see what he's doing, look at his training, see what he's doing. So this is the kind of stuff. We've seen uh, with Ronnie Coleman, for example, I believe he was winning his first Mr. Olympia was around 250. By the time he came off stage, 298 pounds. So 40-something pounds of additional muscle. That's a lot more food. It's, it becomes almost, as I said earlier on, a job of work. And you need to be 100%. What can I eat that doesn't upset my stomach? What protein do I need to vary my protein sources? Do I need to vary my carb sources? Do I, can I eat at this point, this much at the, earlier in the year? Do I need to be that much tighter? Is it just going to be rice for my carbs when I'm coming into a competition? How many guys have we seen that have come up to the Mr. Olympia level and get an upset stomach because they didn't bring food with them? They've gone out and bought food locally at the Mr. Olympia or they didn't cook it properly because maybe the wife hasn't come with them and she's the guy, person that looks after the food. Maybe they stopped meal prepping. Just crazy little things that can make a difference. That's how important it becomes. But don't forget that he's a young guy that's just on this particular road of progress and wants to become a bodybuilder that you can do what they do you're going to need to learn what works for you but you literally sometimes it's just going to be writing that stuff down and realizing you're not eating enough uh, I, I the physical jobs that i've done in the past so you the canteen would shut at four and we were finishing work at eight so i was putting snacks in my locker and that's how i maintained the, the muscle mass and, and the size that i had then it, it's, it's the guys would be outside having a cigarette i'd be inside eating food that's how i did what i needed to do if, you, if your job, but some, some of you guys are doing jobs where you can't have food at work. Or, or I've, we've said stuff on the forums where the guys are embarrassed to have a protein shake at their desk. Needs must, guys. Do what needs to be done. Learn what needs to be done. And again, this is something that sometimes takes a while for you, for you to get right. All right. It's no good at you taking all the peptides and steroids and psalms and prohormones. God knows what else you're taking if you're not eating. Get the food right. Get the training right. Put this, but then put the polish in with everything else. Some of you guys only want to weigh 200 pounds, but be lean. Some of you guys want to be 300 pounds as strong as a ball. Needs mass, guys. Back to you, Steve. The thing is, when you're a skinny guy like that, and you throw a bunch of food at your body, you're just going to get fat. So what is the difference between that and a Brandon Curry throwing food at a body? We're going to talk into what he's taking, these performance-enhancing drugs. We take a bunch of HGH, Okay, it increases your blood sugar. You take the insulin, drops your blood sugar back down. You eat food. It's like a sponge right into the muscle. That's how these guys who are genetic freaks end up weighing so much. Five foot eight, five foot seven, five foot five. Brandon Curry, he's not a tall guy, but he's 250 pounds, 240 pounds, 260 pounds in the offseason. He's a beast. How is he able to do that? Yes, it's genetics, but also it's because these, these steroids, the HGH, the insulin. He's taking up to 25 IUs a day of HGH. He's taking eight IUs of insulin before his meals, maybe even before his workouts too. He works out, takes his insulin, eats his meal, Boom, it's like a sponge right into the body. So if you're a skinny guy, don't follow this where you eat a bunch of food. It's not going to work for you the same way. You're not on all these steroids. It's completely different. Sustenin or, or testosterone, he's taken over a gram. Trenbolone, close to a gram. 
a week, Primo Bolin, a gram a week, Winstroll, Masteron, the Masteron hardens him, the Winstroll dries him out. Tons of Winstroll, 100 milligrams a day, especially going up to his competition. He needs to get as, as dry as possible. The Masteron, he needs to get as hard as possible. He's, he's on thyroid, T3, probably 100 micrograms a day of T3. Gets his thyroids buzzing. And then he'll throw in an oral, maybe halo, something like that. Really, really strong oral. He'll throw that in every now and then. So th this is what these guys are running these days, guys. It's really, really important that they, that they hit that trend. The trend, if you need to be at that level, that trend is going to be what you use today in, in 2020. To, it's very important. And the two other things that are very, very important, HGH and insulin, because you can eat all the food in the world you want. You're not going to grow unless your body is a sponge for all that food you put into it. So, you know, it's, it's, um, if you take away all these drugs and all these steroids and he was to just eat a regular diet and he would still look fantastic. He is genetically blessed, but then throw all this stuff in and boom, you yeah. are, you're, you're, you're going to be able to compete at that Mr. Olympia level. There's very, very few people who have these types of genetics that can that can get here think about it he is the best bodybuilder of 2019 best bodybuilder in the world and that is that is an amazing accomplishment this 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 is an example steve and i have both uh, given advice to uh in, in steve's case clients and i've got buddies and whatever else and we have these conversations from time to time and on the forums of course as an example if, if a guy comes to us and he's working down a coal mine He's, he's putting an eight or 10 or 12 hour shift digging the coal with, with drills and whatever on a machine down in the coal in the dust and getting dirty. His requirements as an athlete, as a bodybuilder, as someone who wants to gain muscle, is going to be unbelievably different compared to Brandon. And so we would say, listen, you know, you're going to 4,000 calories a day minimum if you weigh 160, 180. You need to be 4,500, 5,000 calories if you're weighing 80, 200 pounds. There's no good us throwing insulin and growth hormone with him. Okay, so... Forget it, right? We would make that adjustment. If, you, if you're an athlete and you have that athletic background and your, your desk job and you've got a mini fridge that you've got, you can put meal prep in, your requirements, you, know, you could probably get away with 3,500 calories a day and you're going to grow like a weed. And then perhaps the drugs are going to make a difference. And something specific, and I, I mentioned this off air to Steve as well, we, we discuss on the forum from time to time peptides. The various peptide hormones and, and, and derivatives of growth hormone that are out there that are meant to have different effects, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that's reputed to have happened in, in Kuwait is, as I mentioned earlier, under access. But again, this is a very tiny polish, administered almost certainly under prescription, if the rumors are going to be believed, from a local pharmacist with guys that know what the fuck they're talking about. And again, these are genetic advantage. It's no good if you work down a coal mine or if you're in a labouring job or you're going to work in a meat processing plant talking about this pro-hormone, sorry, this, this peptide, this, fracture, this fraction of growth or whatever else, because it's going to make little or no difference to your physique whatsoever. But if you're competing, if you're dieting, if your whole thing is about becoming a, 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 a champion, whether it's regional or national or international as Brandon, then it's a tiny, tiny fraction administered by someone practically given to you for free who knows what they're talking about and it's going to be given at the right time 
pre-training, during the training, this is some of the stuff there, the post-training. There's no good, for example, a normal guy trying to deplete all the glycogen for his muscles to increase protein uptake or whatever else, and then go out and do a physical job, digging up the roads or, you know, laboring, building, building, you know, up, up, still, still erecting a steel girders and working on a building site and building a skyscraper. You, you don't need to do that, guys. So remember, we can learn from these people if, even if it is only consistency with training and, and uh, nutrition and recovery, but the, the nuances, the small stuff, if you're laboring, if you're doing a physical job, even if you're just doing an eight, even if you're working down at the deli, standing on your feet and serving food for eight hours, it's different from what Brandon's doing. Brandon goes to the gym, takes all these drugs, trains like a monster, and then probably goes and then lie down, goes and has a meal at the restaurant with the guys comes back in the afternoon and does some cardio. You're not, you're, you're standing eight hours on your feet behind a deli counter serving food, you're working at Maggie D's. You're at school, still trying to do your studies at college and university, doing all this other kind of stuff. Make sure that you allow for that. Be inspired by a professional, learn from a professional, but make sure you make those adjustments for what your requirements are. And again, if you get to the point, and I'm sure that we would be very excited for you if you ever was, getting to that point where we saw your physique on the forum and you look like someone that's going to place, you look like someone that's going to take it to that next level, then we're going to get you on a podcast and we're going to be going over those nuances with you and we're going to learn everything we can about your physique. And just from our perspective, we're going to do our damnedest to make you get sure you get there. And whether that's sitting down and talking about your growth hormone and your particular requirements, maybe it would actually be discussion of the insulin protocol. We would work with you. We would want to know everything about you. And we would be excited just to help you and see if we can take you to the next level. So this is what you do. When you're listening to this podcast, pay attention, by all means, learn, but understand you make adjustments for you, where you are, your age, your requirements. Don't, don't, don't do his protocol, if it's PED protocol, don't do his, I, I, I'm not going to do his PED protocol, Steve's not going to do his PED protocol, it, what's not what's going to work for us, it's not what we want for our physiques, for our strength, for whatever, but by all means, yeah, what, what did he do, and can we learn from it, yeah, of course we can. If we went and lived in a dungeon and someone pushed their meal prep through for the letterbox and we had someone coming once a week to massage our muscles and we was working with some of the top coaches of the world, I'm sure we'd be that 5 or 10% better. Christ, I'm halfway there now, sitting on my ass in my house in my office, in my gym 20 feet away, and I've got someone delivering food later on. <laughs> the only thing I haven't got is someone pushing peptides through the letterbox. So there you, so there you go, guys. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Listen to what we're saying, learn, be inspired, be motivated. If, 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 if this is the thing for me, especially with someone who's a Mr. Olympia, I, would, I used to be, as a younger guy, I would open up the magazines. I went, my mind blown by these physiques. Oh my God. Makes me want to go down the gym and train like a monster. Hell, my ego now would like the idea that perhaps one day Brandon and I could have a workout. That kind of vibe. And I could learn how he twists his wrist. I could learn how he flexes the muscle when he's doing a curl. And I could say, hey, if I'm not going to do that as a strength athlete, but I can take that piece of information. And I'm talking to a guy that wants to get a little bit more out of a curl workout. He wants a little bit more of a peak on his biceps. And I can say what I learned from Brandon. And I can, I can take it to one of the guys and say, listen, this is what I saw Brandon Curry doing. He's the Mr. Olympia. Boom. 
So yeah, we're getting to that. Do you want to discuss that we were talking about off air, Steve, with the, the, the Mr. Olympia thing that's coming up? Yeah, get into it. We got we got a couple minutes left and we have to close up. But yeah, talk about that a little bit. Um, we're actually doing this podcast. You know, um, the, the Mr. Olympia in 2020 due to the pandemic is delayed. So we're actually doing this podcast right before they, they have the Mr. Olympia. So Monster, talk about that in a couple minutes um, and then we'll close up. Okay, so normally by this time of year, I think it would have been last weekend, you would have had the Mr. Olympia competition, typically the 21st or the 26th, depends where the weekend falls through the year. And because of the pandemic, they've, they've done a couple of things. First off, they changed the hotel. That's just something perhaps they needed to do, what the fans wanted, what the, the promoter wanted, what the, 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 the owner of the Olympia title wanted. Uh, they wanted to change, they wanted to go somewhere else. Unfortunately, lo and behold, we're in this pandemic situation, which has forced... Uh, certain changes for the Mr. Olympia, which can, might be interesting, might not be. So instead of having it around this time of September, we're looking at next month. It's a new location. But here's the thing. You've got the situation, I believe the audience capacity previously has been something between five and 7,000. Is there even going to be an audience this year? Would a 2020 Mr. Olympia be just the judges and the competitors? and they promote any organisational stuff. Will there be an audience? Will they be selling $750 front row seats? Who knows? Literally, they've got no idea what's happening in the next four to five weeks as to whether there'll even be a crowd there to cheer these guys on. That's number one. Number two, with Sean Roden still potentially not coming to the, to the stage, but with return of Phil Heath, and obviously Brandon wanting to come back and contest this Olympia title, it seems to me, and we discussed this off here, that the top five, which could potentially include a uh, former 212 Mr. Olympia in the form of a 235 pound, potentially Felix Lewis on stage. I think it's probably the most open. We've had changes the last couple of years, three, three Mr. Olympias in the last three years. And now we've got maybe the top five, possibly the top six, all of who could be uh, a new Mr. Olympia. Will Brandon retain his title? Uh, will Phil Heath come back and regain his uh, uh, Olympia title? Will Flex Lewis surprise everybody and be a top three straight out of the gate? Uh, so, yeah, what's happening there? Kind of crazy. Really, really not the same date, not the same location, and potentially not even the same uh, uh, Mr. Olympia. And finally, one of the other issues that's affected uh, all of the competitions is, but specifically Mr. Olympia, because of the competitions being cancelled, because of the changes, you've had uh, competitions that have taken place this year where the guys have had to wear face masks on stage, that the organisational staff that have been on stage with them have been wearing face masks. And you've had, uh, I believe, after the Arnold Strongman competition, for example, where there was no crowd. Uh, this year's World Strongest Man, if it is indeed this year, I believe it might be next year, where they're talking about no crowd. That's the kind of situation that everybody's dealing with this year. So what's happened is the ability to qualify either by winning or through the point system by placing for the Mr. Olympia, has become somewhat negated. I believe you're talking about at least one third of the competitions have been cancelled. So there's now this kind of crazy scramble for the usual 15 or 20 places, I believe, that the Mr. Olympia allows, the 18 or 20 places is, is, is normal, normal number of competitors. There's this kind of crazy scramble right now where Nasiros, oh, sorry, Nasiros, um, Big Ramy may not, may not get enough points to compete. And here's a guy that should be top five, top six. There's a bunch of other guys that are fighting for those places right now. There's, there's three pro cards available at a competition coming up in Spain. 
But the guy's only got four weeks, four weeks, and there's at least six people that need really to be on stage at the Mr. Olympia. And I'm not entirely sure that that's going to happen. So will we even have 10 or 12 athletes on stage instead of 20? Will we have a crowd? Are we all going to be watching it on video? It's still a really weird situation. And yeah, Brandon and others are still going to be plugging away, still be doing what they need to do. It could be the most open, the most weird, bizarre, kind of crazy Mr. Olympia. Ever. So I think some of them, maybe the early ones, were like three competitors, one competitor, whatever weird situations that they were judging backstage and then they bring them out for the for the night show it's not been as fucked up for the last for about 35 years as it's going to be this year it's going to be really crazy really weird and by the time this podcast goes live we we, we may well have a, a, a new mr olympia returning mr olympia but whether, uh, it's just going to be really 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 crazy steve it's going to be very interesting historically uh, it's going to be can you imagine a super bowl with no crowd can you imagine? It's just going to be a really kind of fucked up situation, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, we've seen it already with pro sports, no crowd. It is kind of weird, yeah. but they, they pipe in, they pipe in the crowd a little bit. But yeah, it's uh, you know, they'll get through it. You know, we just had the Stanley Cup Finals, and um, you know, they had no crowd, and it's better than nothing. That you know, they'll they'll you know they'll get through it, and uh, you know, they'll get it done. It'll be interesting. Yeah. A weird thing here in the UK, and I, I don't know if it actually took place or not, but there was some suggestion that there was a crowd outside one of the football matches that was taking place, the soccer games over here. The crowd, the crowds gathering outside to cheer the match inside while watching it on their phones. Now, I don't know if that actually happened because it kind of just sounded a little bit fucked up because they weren't allowed inside because of the whole, it's just very strange, weird situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, in fact, just, just from the grip stuff that I do, I haven't competed for a couple of years now, but the guys have been doing this kind of informal online competitions and then sending uh, old old coins as a prize or whatever through the post. So it's not official. The, the, the numbers won't be going in the record books, but it's been putting out these challenges. I think mean, there's two or three this year that I was invited to be involved in, which I didn't bother with, where these were online for the last five or six months, two or three of these challenges very strange way of doing things enough to get the guys juicing keep them down the gym training or whatever else this is it it's got a hard kind of situation to be going full full bore training to step onto the stage when you haven't got that crowd cheering you on when when the only way you're going to know how you're going to look is going to be through the video not maybe are there going to be photographers it's very very strange we'll see what happens all right, guys, so we're Steve Stevie and Mobster. I just want to remind everyone, um, I keep forgetting to remind you guys, I do have uh, consultations both by email, phone, Skype. If you guys want consultations on all any of this stuff that we talk about on any of the podcasts, hit me up, Steve SMI, on the forums. Drop me a message or get my attention on the forums um, on evolutionary org or elitefitness.com. Just hit me up, Steve SMI, and uh, I will – you know, we'll set something up and we'll get, we'll get you looking the best you've ever looked before. So anything you want to add on that mobster? Give, give Steve Steve a shot, guys. He knows his shit. All right, guys. So we'll, we'll finish this up. This was number 110, Brandon Curry. Next week, we're going to be having a really cool one. Um, we might have to um, rush it a little bit because there's so much information on this one. But next week, who are we going to be doing, mobster? It's going to be a really fun one.
I'm looking forward to it. I think it's really exciting. And there's a couple of little stories here. Bruce Lee. Yeah, I, I was kind of um, hoping you wouldn't say who it was just, just to keep people <laughs> just to keep people wanting. But we'll, we'll, we'll tell you guys. It's going to be Bruce Lee. And um, if you guys have any suggestions, again, you can hit, hit us up on the forum, post on the forum, and, and we will talk about who you want to talk about. But, yeah, Bruce Lee, a, a really amazing story. I, I can't wait to talk about it. All right, guys, we'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy. Have a good one.